Bunge, we are back again, our third time of the Varsity Podcast, and yeah, it's uh, it's football season. We got a lot to talk about. Week three, man. Week three already here. It's going fast as uh, usual, man. Once you get get that first game going, it's just downhill after that, man. We're gonna start uh, like we always do, a little recap of last week and a few games that jumped out to both of us. Um, why don't you lead off, Sponge, with maybe two or three you saw last week that uh, caught your attention? Well, obviously the best game. Uh, definitely was Bowles St. Augustine. That definitely lived up to the hype of uh, two of the top teams in the area. Uh, Bowles obviously came out victorious, 32-27. Uh, Cade Frew with another big game on the ground at over 200 yards rushing. I think three touchdowns. Uh, St. Aug played tough. It was a yeah. I was impressed with St. Aug. I was at yeah, that game and saw them and that defense looked pretty good, huh? Def- I think defense on both sides of the ball looked pretty good. St. Augustine, I think, younger in spots, but. Man, Bowles is so tough in the trenches and, and up front. I I know it's made its way around the, the, the social media and stuff, but that hit by Jack Pyburn in yeah. the backfield, oh, my goodness. Monster, monster hit. He was literally, like I was telling you, looked like he could have taken the hand off the quarterback and everything, but it was he's a beast. He's he, a baller. He is a beast, and he also made the hit to, to end the game, too. So, uh, Jack Pyburn, he has been a man possessed this year. Where's, where's, where's he committed to? Is he the Nebraska or no? Is that no, the, that's, um, that's Schwartz on the okay, defensive okay. line. Um, I think it's Minnesota for okay. for for Pyburn. Um but he uh, he has just been a weapon out there, and that hit last week just one of his many talents. I think the week before he had four sacks against Columbia. Um, they got Bowles defense got three sacks and three uh, three safeties in three games. Just um, just phenomenal play for Bowles, and I think they've been pretty pretty strong against the teams they played. I know West Nassau in Week One, not a great measure of talent, but Columbia in Week Two, thirty four seven, and then St. Aug last week, thirty two seven twenty seven. Um, they definitely look like uh, one of the two best teams in the area for sure. And like we keep saying, it's setting up for that game in a couple weeks where Trinity heads to Bowles, but you know we won't get there too too quickly because there's a couple more weeks. But that that definitely. Uh, Looks like a one-two matchup in our area. Yeah, hopefully they make it to that game. I talked to uh, Berlin Dormy earlier this week, and he said, "Yeah, he had that one circled on his calendar, saying if hey, if we keep winning at Trinity and Bowles keeps winning, we're going to set up for that game in a few weeks and uh, hopefully be undefeated and uh, one and two in the area. And it certainly looks like that, barring an upset, we'll get to that point. I think Bowles has Fernandina this week. Uh, no challenge there. If Clearwater and the National Academy come to Trinity Christian, I think the Conquerors are a pretty good shape there. So. We can hope we get that Bulls Trinity match. Every year, Bulls Trinity is, is a game to watch, and we'll speak on that more as that uh, that game rounds into focus. But just always such a great atmosphere, a great game. I remember um, a few years ago, Hurricane Irma had come through the area and wiped out pretty much all the schedule. And somehow, Bulls and Trinity played that night for the first time in 17 years or 18 years, and just a phenomenal atmosphere. Um, great game. That was a fun game. And, you know, something, it kind of got its moment in yeah. the sun, the moment in the spotlight. And I think. It was one of only three games in the area that night due to the uh, the damage from the hurricane that wound up being yeah, played. I feel, but I feel like we even had like a delay or something, and the game ended up starting at like eight p.m. or something. I don't know. It, was, it felt like even more prime time. Yeah, it 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 got it somehow. It got its own moment in the the spotlight that night. And that's what that game deserved after such a long break. Another one that stood out to me last week. Um, you mentioned Bowl St. Augustine, Atlantic Coast Sandalwood. Now I was at this game. And it was 21-7 Sandalwood when I left. It's 21-7. You know, mm-hmm. it's decent, decent lead. Sandalwood was charging. Jordan Bean running the ball really well. But something happened, and Atlantic Coast comes back, rips off 32 unanswered points, and wins that game 39-21. 
unbelievable game by Arthur Fats Walker, 268 and four touchdowns on the ground. And uh, he's quickly establishing himself as a guy in that uh, Cade through kind of category as dominant runners in this area. Yeah, he's definitely uh, – started pounding it. I heard, you know, rumors about how good he was and it's it's been fun to watch him the first couple of weeks cuz he's definitely uh, uh put himself on the scene and he's had uh, several good games leading up to like my game to watch just getting ahead of ourselves here. I want to see Nice Atlantic Coast this week. I think that's going to be a good game cuz you know, Stokes, my man, he's been slinging it all over the yard. They're 2 and 1. Atlantic Coast now is 2 and 1. So Atlantic Coast, you know, came back big time down 21-7 last week against Sandalwood, got the win. Nice, Atlantic Coast this Friday night. That should be a good one. So I'm looking forward to that game uh, this week. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And I think Atlantic Coast, kind of their momentum started in the playoffs last year. You know, they had never been to the playoffs, yeah, and everybody got in last year. But you know, it matters what you do when you're in the playoffs. And Atlantic Coast was one of those teams that capitalized and made it three rounds deep into the postseason. And, you know, it's a different team this year. It's not – uh, it's not so same. A lot of those same guys. Of course, we have Arthur back and uh, Coach Mike Montemayor back. But you know, they lost a quarterback. They lost uh, Pat Bryant, probably the best player that yeah. they've had in their their abbreviated history. So this was a team that had some question marks, and you get routed against Riverside early on in the season. But man, they have bounced back strong. And um, I've got, I've you know, I have to say, Atlantic Coast probably one of my surprise teams this year. If we're handing out uh, those uh, those awards early on in the season, so that's going to be a good one. Um, for our third game that stood out last week, what was uh, what was that last one that jumped out? Definitely the game we talked about going into uh, that we thought was going to be one of the better games was Madison University Christian, and uh, you know Madison kind of do- did what they do. They come and you know beat up on some teams you know in our area. the The game was I think it kind of got out of hand quick. Form was it like twenty to eight maybe I think, and then the final was ended up being twenty eight fourteen. But you know University Christian, you know. They're still going to be a team to, to reckon with here in the city. Uh, no, no tough loss by losing to Madison County. You know, they're always good. They've won 1A the last, like, feels like the last 10 years. And they always produce, you know, good talent. So that one that one stood out. And I wanted to, like I say, get eyes on University Christian, see how good they were because, you know, 2A is going to be such a good matchup in the playoffs. But, you know, Madison County definitely uh, did what they do, the Kerr Dog. Came out victorious with a 28-14 win. Yeah, with UC, they were so uh, so good in their start this season. I know they lost an offensive lineman to an injury for the season. Last game lost Oriel Gray, kind of their all-everything player on offense and defense. Yep. Uh, he left early in that game with an injury, so uh, hopefully his uh, injury is not, uh, not long-term because – uh, he is really central to everything that they do. So a little bit of a surprise to see UC not um, muster up a little bit more in that game. You mentioned, I mean, Madison County, if you know football in the area, in the state, Madison County is always a team that area teams, who, whether it be Trinity Christian years ago, whether it be Hilliard now, um, has to get through to make some kind of noise in the playoffs. And they are just one of the uh, kind of the um, epitomes of great rural football in this area. And they came to University Christian and doubled up a very good Christians team last week. All right, let's jump forward. We spent a few minutes going back on last week, but um, this week we've got. Uh, I, I don't think it's as good of a slate sponge. What do you think? Yeah, the, the, definitely the schedule this week is not as good as last week. You know, you kind of get some of that during the season where you'll have, you know, a down week where there's not the big time primetime matchups. But you know, it, it, it'll eventually get better as we start getting into district play and you know some more games. You know, the inner city rivalry games will be, you know, coming soon. 
So this week the schedule is down a bit, but there's still a few games. Like like I said before, my game to watch, Nice Atlantic Coast, they're both 2-1. and one. You know, Stokes, again, uh, he's, I think he has 600 yards passing and like five, six touchdowns on the year so far. So he's really, you know, doing well. Atlantic Coast, Fats Walker toting the rock. So that's a, that's definitely a game that I've got circled this week to check, to keep an eye on and see and see what happens on Friday night. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I like that Nice Atlantic Coast game just for the reasons you mentioned. Um, Marcus Stokes has been throwing the ball really well. And, you know, Nice was a, a bad team last year record-wise. They did not have a good season. Uh, playoffs ended early for them. Um, with COVID situation, so it it just is it not really a good era for Colin drafts until this season. This has really been a great start for uh, for drafts and in, in Nice, and um, I think the the best is ahead for the Panthers uh, to be honest. And I think this is a good game, a, a separator game. I think it's a district game, and I, I look at Nice and Atlantic Coast almost on the same level. Both yep. these teams had a lot to prove after last year, and they've really come out and answered the bell. So um, you know, Nice never really got going last year, but they started off this year. 14-7 over Pontevedra, beat them for the first time in, um, in the 12 games. I mean, they won their first game in that series back in, I believe, in 09 and lost the next 11. So that was a great start to the season for Nice. Marcus Stokes, I think he had a big touchdown run in that game to kind of salt it away. So Atlantic Coast, we, we covered them early on. So I think that could be uh, maybe even de facto game of the week. I like Creekside and Sandalwood. Creekside, a team that jumps into our Super 10 this week for the first time. They're 3-0, and and they just ambushed Fleming Island last week, 26 Six nothing. Yeah, that was a shock. Very, yeah. I mean, Fleming Island coming off a six zero win at Lake Mineola uh, the week before. So to, to for Creekside and Coach Sean McIntyre's guys come out and just just smother Fleming Island the way they did. Pretty impressive. And on the flip side, Sandalwood. Gut check. We, we, like, what are you gonna do, man? Come on, guys. Yeah, it's it's it is one of those gut check games. I mean, Sandalwood. We mentioned earlier they're up twenty one seven against Atlantic Coast. They don't score the rest of the game. So you've got to wonder um, if Sandalwood can kind of get things turned around. They had a good finish to the season last year, but not off to a good start here. I think that um, you know, that game last week pretty uh, pretty demoralizing for the Saints. So yeah, it's a one, in, a one in three start doesn't feel good if you're Sandalwood. Yeah, you, you got to somehow get this win, get, you know, beat a good Creekside team, get back on the win column and just, you know, keep going forward because, like you say, you start you start going down that rabbit hole of losing games and, you know, it becomes a little, you know, habit and then next thing you know your season is unraveling on you. Yeah, it's, it's a district game as well. Yeah. So, you know, it could go the opposite way too. I mean, if Creekside's just 3-0 start, they'd lose this game. Now you're asking questions because you've got a Bartram up ahead. You've got Mannard up ahead, Oakleaf up ahead. So this is really a pivotal game. Um, I think it's – I said it last year, this District 1-8A is one of the most challenging in the area. It's the heavyweight district. It's the biggest classification in the state. And you've got those big schools in there. This is Creekside's uh, first time in that big district. So – Big one for for Coach Sean McIntyre and the Knights to get off on the right foot in district play, which begins this week. Okay, another couple games this week. You mentioned East Atlantic Coast. Yeah, I like like Oakleaf traveling up to Georgia and taking on Camden County. We know Camden is usually always a really good team. Um, You know, they play a tough schedule, you know, because they're in that Georgia class. So they've already – I think they've – I forget who beat them. I want to say Colquitt might have beat them. Uh, But Camden's always good. You know, Oakleaf's been a, a bit of a, a surprise team. It's been it's played well. They're off to the two and one start. You know, they played in the Bowl City Showcase and uh, ran all over uh, Orange Park. So I th- I think Oakleaf Camden could be uh, potentially a really good matchup. You know, hopefully uh, the Florida boys can go up to Georgia. It's always good when our Florida guys can go get a win in Georgia because 
for some reason we struggle there too, man. Yeah, I know. It's I, I love those. You know, I like football in the area, but there's right. nothing more yeah. that I love than seeing our, our North get, Florida get teams. Out get out of town game. Yeah, get out of town game, and you go up to Georgia, and especially South Georgia. I know Trinity went up to a Buford years ago and played in that game on TV. It's just a different different atmosphere. If you've never been, listeners have never been to a, team, a high school football game in Georgia. Yeah, there's go nothing. To, go to Camden County. Go to Valdosta. Go to yes. you know, Go to one of those games, and you'd be like, wow, this is some like small town style football, but it's you know it is an environment, yeah. and there's the nothing. Atmosphere, the atmosphere is great. There's nothing in 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 our area that I think compares to that. Maybe a Hilliard, uh, and it's still not the same. Um, but when the whole maybe in uh, Columbia, yeah. Lake City night years and years ago, maybe a Swanee night years ago, because those are small towns, only show in town, and it's just nothing. There's you don't get that in Duval County, you don't, you don't. get that in St. John's. It, that's the one thing that I definitely feel that our you know 904 lacks I wish you know there was obviously you know like Trinity Bowls they get a good crowd you know I wish more of the public schools had that that passion that like these some of these small towns you know in Georgia have where it's just a packed house rowdy crowd fun crowd great atmosphere you know but it is what it is so Oakleaf gets to enjoy going into a hostile environment and like like I say hopefully they come out with a win yeah Jeff Heron back at Camden County had them off to a three-no start. They lost last week, I believe, at Marietta in a game they were That's what it was, they were up up in and uh, did not close that game strong. So uh, Camden looking to get back on the the right track. Oakleaf lost last week to Columbia, so that was a kind of a that was a, that was a tight game too. Very they, good, yeah, they, good uh, game. They, they were in it the whole time. I think uh, I think uh, Lake City picked them off late in the game to to seal the victory, but they were in that thing the whole way, and they were actually in the lead for a good while. So. That was a good game last week, the uh, Oakleaf uh, Lake City Columbia game. It was, and you know, kind of disappointing, I think, for for Oakleaf to lose that game at home a week after having such a great effort against Miami Miami Carroll City to come back and and win that game forty to thirty, and you come out last week against Columbia. And Columbia is, is no slouch at all. I know that Bulls loss jumps out, but again. Demetric Jackson, he's an alum there. He knows what it's like to to win at Columbia and play at Columbia and, and wear that uh, the pride of the Tiger mm-hmm. on your uniform. So uh, Columbia back in business. Columbia's always a tough game, no matter when you consider they're they're down or they're not having a good year. Columbia is always a tough tough team. So my my other game to watch, I, I'm going to lean in this one. Swanee and White. Both teams opening up district play, and, and Swanee's been a nice, uh, not really surprised team. They had a good year last year under Coach Kyler Hall. But uh, 2-0, and they lost their game last week to uh, COVID cancellation. But they're coming up to White, and you know, we talked about this earlier, but you know, White's a team like Baldwin oh, yeah. th- that has struggled they, to, they to get on the field one, this year. One game, you know, you're like, I want to see this team in action. You know, they had that hype early in that kickoff classic week. Then they get their week one game canceled. Then they get Wakulla. On the schedule, which is a nice win, and then you know they haven't played again, you know. And I know Swanee actually they played a makeup game with Westside, who I think that was the same week that Westside and Ed White were supposed to play, and basically you know Swanee can't said all right, come on over here Westside, and they kind of gave it to Westside a little bit, beat them by thirty, yeah, forty three thirteen. So, so I, I want to see what Ed White's got. What, what do they got? You know, so this this matchup, you know, this is a, this is a who, who's who's got the who's got the big. The big, the big. I want to say, you know, but who, who's going to come out here and play well and say, let, let's, we're the team to deal with. 
Yeah, and I especially think especially in this district. I think this is district kind of a battle for district supremacy right, here. Exactly. And this is a huge game for both these guys. And I don't know who you give the edge to in this game, just because White hasn't really yeah, been on the field. You, you haven't seen him exactly a so month into the season. You've only got one game under your belt, and Swanee has played uh, two games and uh, looked pretty darn good in, yeah. in doing so. So that would be my fourth game of the week. What would be your your final ones? You know, I'll, I'll throw my TC boys in there. Be biased just because this is a big game for uh, Coach Dormany. Hopefully, he can get that three. 100th victory. Uh, the, the Clearwater Academy international team, I, I was looking at their max preps alleged rankings, and they're ranked number 26 in the state. So, you know, is this team for real? Are they any good? You know, we'll find out. But, you know, I, I hope that uh, V-Man can get that dub and, you know, get that 300 notch on the belt, even though I know it's not a big deal for him. But, you know, he, he, it's it's a big deal for, for the guys in, in the school and, and all that. So hopefully – they come to play Friday, and I think that that potentially could be a pretty good ma- matchup if this team is cracked up to be the 26th best team in the state of Florida. Yeah, and they you know they score. I think last year in a game in Sandalwood, they they lost uh, by a point, maybe a 40-39 or 39-38 game. So they've shown they can put up some some points. But I think Trinity Christian is just on another level. And you know you touched on it with with uh, with Verlin getting that 300th win. I know it in his mind, it's probably not as big of a deal it is for the program, for his family, right. for for former players and coaches, but. Anytime you hit a milestone like that, I, I remember talking uh, to Corky when he was uh, nominated for the Hall of Fame and he found out he was going to be in it. And, you know, he was always respectful and appreciative of the uh, the recognition, but it was almost uh, a little unsettling for him because he always wanted to give credit back to the players, the coaches, mm-hmm. the, the wives, everybody who had a hand in it except himself. Yep. So, and I think, uh, I think Verlin is, is cut from that same cloth where it's a nice, you know, it'll go up on a trophy case or on a mm-hmm. wall in his office or something, but everybody around the program will probably – Take it a little bit more in stride and and you know celebrate it a little bit more than Verlin. Once you're in that kind of that mindset of uh, midseason and trying to put a schedule together and playing teams, a game plan, and you know 300th win, 400, whatever the yeah. the milestone is, you're not looking at it like that. But pretty uh, pretty darn cool nonetheless. We're going to talk it up uh, even if Coach Shormany doesn't. Yeah, for sure. We got to give him a little credit. 300th win. Only six other guys in state history have hit that milestone. Only three of those guys have done it at one school. So Bill Castle at Lakeland, Corky Rogers hit 300 at Bowles, obviously 465 overall, uh, but he had uh, quite a few of those at Lee, which is now Riverside, um, and George Smith at Aquinas. So not a lot of guys have had that success at one location. He'll be the seventh coach overall in state history to hit that milestone, but only the fourth to do it at one school, so pretty darn impressive, yeah. considering where Trinity started from. And uh, Verlin's history is pretty pretty unique um, in what he uh, what he came from. And I mean, Trinity back then was getting uh, getting beat by the Hilliards, and oh, yeah. um, you know was an independent for quite a few years trying to get its foot on the ground. So when you look back at which, what uh, what Dormany has has done at Trinity Christian, and really the humble, uh, very unnotable beginnings that uh, that school grew out of. Uh, football-wise, it's pretty darn impressive that Trinity Christian has accomplished so much in uh, a relatively short window of time. All eight championships have come since '02. Yep. Um, you know, and you look at a Bowls championships came in the '80s and, and '90s. If you look at uh, Lakelands and you know these other powerhouses, University Christian, a lot of their championships are spread out over a pretty substantial period of time. That's not the case with Trinity Christian, which just shows how dominant Coach Stormini and that staff have been over there and uh, keeping things rolling. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, like I say, it, I, I was uh, very fortunate to be a part of uh, 
several of those runs. You know, our biggest run probably was that four-peat we had where we won four in a row just a couple years ago. But, you know, it's nice to get back in the state championship whip column after being out for a couple years, you know, last year getting that one. So it's just uh, state championship or bust, man. That's the mentality. That is. So I'm going to wrap things up this, uh, this week with a little volleyball. I think we touched on it last week in the pod. But, man, we've had some pretty solid volleyball milestones this past week. Suzanne Winkler gets career win number 400 at Bishop Kinney last week. Uh, just amazing success that she had. she's had over there. Two state championships with the Crusaders. Carrie Pruitt, another milestone for her. Career win number 600 at Middleburg last week. And she has just been coaching for what seems like an eternity at Middleburg and one of the best in the area to do it. So congrats to Carrie and Suzanne on those milestones. And Pontevedra, uh, last week at this time, they had hit number one in the country in max preps. They're 10-0 and now. They dropped to number fourth this week. But just a phenomenal start for Coach Robin Minnery. She's got the last two state championships, three in all at the Pontevedra program. Seems like a lot of volleyball milestones and success have come in this short window of time. And uh, much respect to those uh, those young ladies and the coaches there at those programs just continuing to get it done. I know football gets a lot of, uh, lot of uh, publicity, but we've got some darn good female athletes and coaches in this town, and uh, let's shine a light on volleyball uh, at this time, too. Trinity Christian. Yeah, I, saw, I saw where Providence beat my TC girls. Yeah, pro- <laughs> and volleyball has been, uh, has been very good this year. Uh, teams beating each other. Um, Trinity Christian had uh, two big wins uh, over Bartram and Creekside. Um, Episcopal as well. Um, Bishop Kenny and Ponte Vedra have been the two teams really that, that stand out, but just a lot of good teams on the uh, fringes there. Providence, Mandarin, uh, Bartram, Creekside, Middleburg, just so many good quality teams in volleyball, and that's another sport during this fall season that really uh, gets a lot of headline. But that's it for this week for a Varsity Podcast. That's Sponge Franklin and I. We will come back to you next week. Check in on uh, the week that was and the week ahead. Thanks for listening. That's it.